0: Hey everybody out there, welcome inside the broadcast booth of season 2, episode number 10. Brian Wright here, and gonna have a great episode, We're gonna be joined by Chris Benson. He's the founding partner of Benson Copple, and I write articles, have the honor to do that for his Benson Copple resource. Uh, absolute expert in the industry, he's got a lot of data and a lot of really neat things, practice transition. Uh, he's also a speaker for Invisalign, so he's gonna have A lot of knowledge that we're going to talk about, the Invisalign stores, that's been a hot topic, as well as a lot of other trending things in orthodontics. And I think this very much applies to a lot of other doctors as well. And we're going to talk about the changing dynamic of the consumer. A lot of really neat things today. Just getting back from a great event in Oklahoma. I appreciate all the attendees. We had a great time. Uh, You can actually go on our social media and look at uh, some of the Uh, Great stuff we were doing after the event, having a lot of fun bowling and things like that. So I really appreciate the great feedback and everybody that was able to help put that event together. A couple great upcoming events, uh, Speak for Align Technology, the makers of Invisalign, uh, next week actually is going to be on Thursday night. We have a private study club and then Friday is another practice development workshop, Uh, business development workshop is what those really are. And, uh, you know, it's eight hours all day of just business, great business stuff and how it applies to your practice. I think people are getting a lot out of that. So looking forward to a great episode. Before we get started, let's fire up the music.
1: Welcome to the New Patient Group podcast, where doctors and other healthcare professionals crush their competition with innovative business, marketing, psychology, and entrepreneurial strategies. Learn how to better the patient experience, improve employee and management performance, and how to best increase conversions, efficiencies, referrals, profitability, revenue, and more. Learn from five-star customer service, psychology, business, and marketing gurus, top producing clinicians, and the most successful entrepreneurs throughout a multitude of industries. Now your hosts, practicing doctor and president of officeautomated.com, Robert Barton, and the CEO of New Patient Group, consultant and speaker for Align Technology, the makers of Invisalign, author for the benson Couple Resource, featured in the Dental Economics Ask the Expert section, and international five-star customer service guru and life coach, with companies featured in Forbes, CNBC, and the National Journal. Brian Wright.
0: Hey everybody, welcome inside the broadcast booth. And just like I was saying in the opening, I'm really proud to be welcoming my buddy and great speaker, owns a wonderful company, Chris Benson, into the The podcast today. And you know, we don't do a lot of guests on this show. It's more of like a radio show for our listeners than maybe necessarily a podcast. And we do so because anybody that comes on this show, I can guarantee my listeners, they know their stuff. What they say works, what they do works, and their knowledge is part of the, I I almost call it, I guess you can relate it to the top 1%, like we talk about making sure you run your business. Well, any guest that comes on here, their mind is going to be thinking in ways. That the top one percent think, okay, it's not going to be the norm. It's not going to be what you were taught uh, in your respective schooling. It's going to be some out of the box stuff, and that's why I'm proud to welcome welcome somebody as awesome as Chris Benson. Uh, it's an honor that I you know get to write articles for him and his Benson Koppel Resource founding partner. Like I was saying in the opening, founding partner of Benson Koppel. He's got thirty years plus in the industry. Uh, speaker for Align Technology, the the makers of Invisalign. So he and I get to speak together. Uh, just absolutely incredible knowledge in the industry welcome in Chris how you doing
2: Uh, great Brian thanks for having me and uh, back at you I mean I've heard you speak and uh, you're doing doing great stuff for a lot of orthodontic practices and that's good because what we care about is uh, healthy solo and small group practices that, that can grow and it's it's hard to grow so you're you're helping a lot of people in some good ways.
0: I appreciate it. It's definitely, I know you share the same passion to, to help other people. I've, I always tell people that I would rather see, I would rather help their business grow than my own. I just, I get more of a more of a kick out of watching them grow than, than uh, I guess me personally. So I, I appreciate that. So obviously a lot on the plate today, everybody, we're going to be talking about, you know, the, the theme on this podcast is obviously the consumer running things like the top 1% making sure all the business components, marketing components of the practice that really make up 80 to 90% of everything occurring every day within the practice are functioning at a level higher than everybody else's. And obviously a big topic is the Invisalign stores, uh, the lawsuit that occurred, um, and so on and so forth. A lot of questions that I get daily about it, and Chris is really an expert in this area, and I think this, this will lead us into talking about a lot of other great things today. So I'd like to start off, Chris, and tell us about... Uh, you know, the Invisalign stores and what's going on with the lawsuit, the impact that you see that it's going to have on the practice. Let's chat about that for a little bit.
2: Yeah, you know, I think it's a hot topic for sure, Brian. And, you know, I'm not an attorney, but um, I I do follow closely the industry. And I think it kind of caught everybody by surprise, maybe even including a line. uh, Could be wrong about that. But uh, certainly they had a a notion that, uh, you know, putting uh, retail stores and specific places where they understood who this consumer was that was you know crossing in front of the storefront um, actually showed a great amount of lift for the in- Invisalign product uh, for the doctor I mean even for the, the doctors that didn't um, so you know some of the some of the noise I hear is you know gosh what does this mean to Invisalign I think probably not very much um, they can't have stores until, you know, 2021 or something like that. And so they extended their non-compete. Um, you know, some people think that uh, Align produced uh, the lion's share of SDC's Aligners, which was not true. It was a minority share, and they're not going to produce any more of those. And, uh, you know, Align, unfortunately, had to relinquish their 19% share at a valuation that was you know backdated to twenty seventeen which was very expensive to them. So um, that relationship has ended and I think one goes forward and their their go forward strategy probably is going to be instead of retail stores, you know doctor stores, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, through a program they call the Invisalign Experience. There's a few of those out there right now. And the notion is you can kind of have an Invisalign-branded experience store, and that's what they were all about, was trying to educate the consumer about what aligners were, what Invisalign was, and how it could, uh, you know, help you have a healthy and smile in in a way that was different than braces. And some doctors, I think, will choose to incorporate this concept, and I think that'll probably be be a go-forward strategy for them. They're still kind of sifting through it since it's all new. Their quarterly call is, you know, next week on the 24th, and we'll learn more about that from Joe Hogan. I'm sure he'll be questioned about it. But um, all in all, I think – You know, the stock has done phenomenally well since this announcement, Uh, kind of to my surprise. But it's a $2 billion company. It dwarfs the size of anything in the bracket business or really in the ortho space. And they certainly are a leader. I think you could kind of see them as the Amazon or the Apple of their space in in the specialty and and in dentistry. So they're not going away. They're going to continue to grow. And I think digital orthodontics with lab fee-based products like uh, and a line has are going to be the future of the specialties. So I don't see a lot of negative uh, coming out of this, uh, although it's interesting to talk about.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you see them going to a, uh, when you say the, the, the Invisalign experience stores where they will actually sell uh, it to a specific doctor that wants to actually buy the name and buy the experience quote unquote store to where it would be, you know, Dr. Benson, as an example, Dr. Benson Invisalign experience, and they're going to sell that to the doctors. Is that the route you think is is going to happen?
2: I, I think so. That's what they're experimenting with right now, and they have several out there. Dr. John White was the first one up in Ohio, and mm-hmm. he's got a really first-class, you know, uh, deal. But it's, it's a licensing agreement, allows a line to make some money on helping, you know, produce these, you know basically you're it's almost like a franchise you're buying a kit, but you can attach it to your practice brand and it can it can use the Invisalign name and that brand and so it should be a win win for besides you know I think we're gonna see a lot of those come up and I think uh, when you think about it instead of having they just had twelve stores, that's all they had to shut down they didn't have two hundred, but you know what if you know of their client base. Five, 500, 1,000, 1,500 people have Invisalign branded stores. I think that could be strong for them as a business and really help those practices as well because I think the consumer wants aligner therapy by and large. Certainly the adults do and increasingly teens do. So um, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm pretty bullish on them. They've been a, a company that people have loved to hate, but um, when you look at their financial results and how they've really introduced a product that didn't exist 21 years ago and laid down some tremendous R&D and development dollars, probably, you know, in the neighborhood of a billion dollars over that time period or more. Um, it's impressive. And every bracket company you know, trying to figure out their plastic strategy. And we're going to see a lot of plastic going forward, in my opinion. And I think Invisalign feels like as competitive bracket companies or other companies introduce digital products, that's actually going to lift that business. So... I think Invisalign is going to be hard to compete with for a long time functionally in the clinic. I'm not a clinician, but uh, certainly I, I, they've got a head start, that's for sure. Still have a lot of patents out there that protect that um, uh, way to move teeth. Um, and, um, you know, I think you got to pay attention to them. What we're seeing is that's where the growth is. I mean, and it has been for the last eight years. Practices are doing a whole lot more liner therapy, and what I'm focused on in my business is trying to help doctors understand how to do that Profitably because these lab fees can get you know, pretty tremendous when you do start doing a significant amount of it. Kind of changes your P and L um, structure, but we've got that kind of figured out now, so we can teach that. And uh, you can do a liner therapy as profitably or more profitably than you can do braces if you know how to do
0: it. No doubt about it. I, I've seen Chris's numbers when he talks, and you know you've got that down pat. I mean, it's something obviously we believe in heavily as a company. I mean, Dr. John White, you mentioned. Uh, who's a good friend of mine, a client of ours? Um, you know, he's mentioned the experience stores before, but he's under you know NDAs, so even I, being close with him, don't learn a lot. So this is why, uh, you know, so excited to speak with you about this because you know so much about it. And I mean, there, there's no doubt clear liners are the way the way future. The they're, they're the way of the now and the future. And otherwise, a company. You know, we talk about this all the time on this podcast, and then to our clients, and then just speaking around the country is you know today's consumer which is actually people of all ages that's a very misconstrued when you hear today's consumer uh, people's a lot of their mind immediately goes to millennials gen z and it couldn't be further from the truth it doesn't matter if you're 80 60 people have changed their buying habits but uh, the reality of the situation is is consumers whether it be gen z millennials uh, they are choosing a unique and innovative and convenient experience over results. I mean, the, the proof of that, you know, anybody out there that, that can't or may not be able to wrap their head around that, Smile Direct Club is the proof. Uh, they offer, you know, subpar clinical results. Most people would agree with that, but they are growing like crazy. So everything you just said, Chris, I agree a thousand percent. I mean, the clear aligners are the way of the future and the brand awareness that Invisalign is created on behalf of the clients that they have, the practices that they have, I think is one piece that we talk about frequently on here that is an overlooked factor when doctors think of a lab fee. Uh, what we like to talk about is that is more of a marketing fee for a brand that's been created on your behalf. All you have to do is set up your business right digitally and internally and the numbers skyrocket because of how many consumers are actually out there, out there looking for it. And what do you think from a brand awareness standpoint? Is that something you teach? Is that something that, you know, you see out there that they've created on behalf of practices?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I don't think anybody has, you know, better data except SDC. And I think the lesson of SDC for Align and for Orthodontist is exactly what you just said. You know, there is a huge hunger in the population uh, for a better smile. And there's a huge number of consumers of all ages, primarily adult with STC, um, but that's a big span, not just millennials, as you suggest, that want a better smile, but don't even give the orthodontist a try because they don't, you know, all they think they're going to get is a five or six thousand dollar answer in 24 months, and uh, they they know that they're not going to get that. So, yeah, the consumer's changing. SDC's proven that model. I mean, when you look at what they're doing, they've announced that they're going to try to go public, you know, this summer. And Mm -hmm. you look at the, you know, the IPO market right now in America is just off the hook. We've got, you know, Lyft just went public. Uber's going to go public. We had, I think today, um, it's the Thursday before uh, Easter. I don't know when this podcast is going to go, but I think today you're going to have two more come out, Pinterest and Zoom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's just a lot of interest in the investment space in this. You look at the valuation of SBC, you know, it was $3.2 billion a year ago. It's going to be many, many more times that if they go public. They're growing like crazy, and they're not affecting the orthodontist yet. But they will if the orthodontists don't wake up because they need to talk to these people, and um, they need to offer them an option, in my opinion anyway, in order to capture some of that growth. You know, as far as brackets, you know, the hardest job in – Orthodontic sales today is being a bracket sales rep. I mean that that segment of the market is declining and will incrementally decline every year going forward, in my opinion. So you get these, you know, to make quota in, in the bracket business now it's three four percent growth. I mean you get fired, you know, at, at an aligner company for that. Um, so yeah, you know, brackets will become less relevant. Aligners will become more relevant. People that resist that. I think you're going to miss out on growth. And it's hard to grow your practice today. Dave right. is pretty clear on that. You know, 1.6% 1, 1. growth on average in all orthodontic practices across the country in 2018. And that's pretty unremarkable growth, in my opinion. Uh, so if you want to outperform the market, you know, you hire Brian and his company and you, <laughs> and you, and you integrate aligners as part of your treatment modality. And I think, you, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at double digit growth.
0: Well, I, yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, the, the 1.8 right in there number you said, I mean, that, that number would get us fired from our clients. I mean, they're, they're averaging, most of them, 15 to almost 40 percent revenue growth year over year. And I, I mean, it's, it's which, from
2: – Which is, you know, it's all outlier stuff, and so you invest the time, you you, you get the coaching. You know, what you're bringing to the market and, and what we're shifting from in historical orthodontic consulting is – we know how to track you know, the KPIs, we know how to track the numbers, we know kind of where they should be. What we don't know how to do is run our businesses as growth businesses in a tight economic environment. I mean, right now we're gonna grow GDP um, in 2019 in the United States at 2.3%, which is better than we've done in the last nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not remarkable growth. So you gotta do something special and different if you wanna grow above that. And people don't do that. They don't invest the time. It's it's a pretty good gig to be an orthodontist, but if you want to grow, you got to operate your business differently than you did the last 30 years. And uh, you know, folks like you are teaching that, and and we're trying to highlight you know who those people are that they can contact. And and you know, if you are outperforming the market, how are you doing it? And you know, it's very clear that a lot of that is on the backs of aligner therapy.
0: Well, you're speaking our language for sure. I mean, the, the clinical abilities, everybody, you know, all the all the doctors out there that listen to this, I, I say this all the time, you know, your clinical abilities amaze me. It's something you should be very proud of and I have the utmost respect for. But the, the reality of the situation in a perfect world, would this be true? Probably not. But the reality of the situation is, is the better business, the better CEO, uh, the better business person is really kicking the better clinicians butt and it's just only going to continue that trend is only going to continue more and more as gen z comes more into the into the the mix millennials get older have more kids Uh, the list goes on and on it's all trending towards the better business wins now the, the beauty of that is is that you can be both and that's what we teach is that it's not that the clinical expertise doesn't matter it absolutely does Um, But it only does if your team and you are able to to close the case and get the phones ringing more because until that happens, you can be the best clinical person on the planet, but you don't get to do it. So the mindset has got to shift.
2: That's that's what I'm teaching.
0: Yeah, that's
2: what I'm teaching now, Brian, is, you know, in every town I go to, and I'm in a practice every week and have been for a long, long time. And in every town I go to, there's a practice on one side of the street that's growing, and there's a practice on the other str- side of the street that's flat or declining. And these doctors are the same age, same deployment of technology, same uh, economic environment, same pricing structure. Why does that occur? It occurs because there's a business culture in the growing practice that doesn't exist in the, in the flat or declining practice. And it's these softer skills in the coming decades that are going to trump everything else with regards to growth, and so if you want to grow, you've got to improve your acumen. You don't come out of residency knowing how to lead a team, right. and so you know some of you are better at it than others. But if you're not good at it, you can learn that skill, and you can hire people to help you learn that skill, and you can surround your people uh, with with that have a skill set that um, you know you can keep them accountable to, so you don't have to do all the work. Do you have to be a great clinician? Absolutely. Do you have to be a great business person? Absolutely. And if you're not that great business person, then you can learn that skill or you know, hire people to help you and your team learn that skill and then just hold them accountable to the, the metrics. So that's what we're seeing. I think culture will trump everything with regards to growth in the in the next decade.
0: I, I agree. I mean you're speaking our language. That's why I respect you so much. I mean, it's everything you just said is is 100% accurate. And, you know, the the same example, the practice across the street that's failing and then the other one across the street that's succeeding. uh, You know, we see this all the time and and listeners, you you hear us talk about this. You do, the the ones that fail oftentimes are spending the most on marketing because their mindset is postcards, billboards, TV, radio, that's going to solve all my problems. And it couldn't be further from the truth. What you need is a fantastic, superior digital presence because that's what Gen Z and millennials are looking for. When they're picking a business, it all starts digitally and they choose the one that offers them the best experience. And then that generates a bigger brand, more likes and shares, eventually more new patient calls. And then when the new patient calls come in, you've got to make sure the receptionist is trained to convert it. It's just each step leads to the next. And the practices that do the best are focusing more on digital and internal things like culture, training their people, holding them accountable, things like that, as opposed to the people spending thousands every month on radio, you know, just hoping something they do sticks. And it's just a, it's just a complete different approach uh, to growth. And I think you hit the, the nail right on the head. And, you know, there's something we talk about a lot, Chris, it's called the spotlight effects, how Uh, The brain is wired, the human brain is wired to protect us from things that it perceives as harmful, painful, change, things like that. And I see it inside the practice that a lot of doctors argue and they fight the reality of where orthodontics is headed, the the virtual, and I I want your thoughts on this, of course, you know, the virtual consultation, it's heading more and more in that direction. That's why we offer a solution for it. Uh, The direct-to-consumer that we're talking about, Smile Direct Club, competition, anywhere they can spend their disposable income that's creating a better brand than, than your practice. All of that is the competition today. And I see a lot of doctors that, that are fighting the reality. Do you, do you see the same thing?
2: Yeah, no, we do. And, uh, you know, we're all creatures of habit and change is hard and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, we've heard from the podiums for quite a long time now, you know, that this there is a new consumer and this consumer is really about how easy... Is it to do business with you? And how well can I be educated before I pick up the phone? I don't know what the data is. Maybe you do, Brian, but you know, people spend an enormous amount of time getting to know your practice before they pick up the phone. And then if you stumble when you get that phone call, you know, it's over. And so you have to be better at these softer sides that you're talking about than ever before. And you have to accept that this is a new consumer. I, you know, I've raised three millennials. They're all just kind of out of school and getting launched, and and they look at life totally different than I do. You know, they don't use paper. Um, you know, just look at the onboarding process that we have uh, to enroll a patient in, in our practices. Many people are still using paper products, clipboards, and everything, and not um, digitizing this whole process and and making it easier for the consumer to do business with you. But uh, my kids would never fill out a paper you know, insurance form uh, request or thing. They want to do that all online. And if you don't have those simple pieces put together, you know, it's, it, it, it takes an effort to get the phone to ring, but then after the phone rings, as you suggest, we have to be so much better. And, um, you know, there's not that much information out there outside of you and Landy Chase and some others that are teaching this, but, um, you have to perform at a higher level on the telephone than we've ever had to before. And then when they get to your office, you've got to continue to perform. So there's so many systems that are touched that are just before we get to yes, but um, we've got to be better at those things. And so absolutely. I see uh, in parallel what you're talking about.
0: Well said. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, what you mentioned about the paperwork and millennials not using paperwork that goes in listeners. When we talk about a unique, innovative experience, we're talking about something very different than what comes into most healthcare professionals' minds. Not not a criticism, uh, but we're talking about things, you know, exactly what Chris is talking about. When they go to fill out their paperwork, is it on a clipboard? Well, if it is, that is not a unique, innovative experience that's going to get Gen Z millennials to go, Hey, I want to buy from this place. Um, do you have the same, and, and we do studies on this all the time, and you, you may or may not even be amazed by this, Chris, but things like... You know, every single practice when you walk in, they have you know a Keurig machine or some kind of coffee machine that's basically the same as, as everywhere else. Well, uh, some of our clients, we tell them, look, if you want to offer a unique experience, you change that to a grinder that's built into a coffee machine. You buy your beans down the street from an organic farmer's market. You grind them fresh every day and you make social media content that you have the best coffee in town. That's the type of innovation that we want. It's changing every single thing that's the same in everybody's. And doing it just a little bit or a lot different to get people to go, huh, I haven't seen that before. And it all plays from your coffee to your paint on the walls to everything that we're talking about plays into whether or not people, especially Gen Z, and there's all kinds of data that we have, Chris, on Gen Z and millennials in uh, Gen Z is an example. They expect you to answer the phone in under 45 seconds. If, the, if you don't, or you put them on hold longer than that, they will hang up on you and go somewhere else. And that data you know, goes into providing that unique experience
2: I, I, you know I, I would agree with these things. I mean, you know I think orthodontists have a little bit of a stiff arm to them saying, "Listen, you know I'm a scientist I'm trained to diagnose and to treat this case, and i I didn't become an orthodontist to become a marketer and um, you know what I see is that you don't have to be the marketer, you have to execute on that level um, but what you have to do as the orthodontist who is almost always the de facto leader of the business is you have to decide what it is that your business stands for. Simon Sinek would call it the why. In my era, we called it mission statements, but you know, people poo-poo those ideas, but if you don't have a team that understands what you're about and what you want to deliver and can recite that back to you and then they can deliver that to the consumer that um, calls or comes through the door or is a patient sitting in a chair, you won't win in this environment um, at the level that the people that do. And so leadership is a, is a big deal. And, you know, my call out to the people on this podcast is, You know become a leader decide what your practice is about express that to your team Uh, require them to deliver that expectation in every contact they have with people and even in your community and you'll win uh but uh, too few of us say listen i i know how to diagnose and treat i'll leave the marketing to the marketing person and the tc uh, conversion rate to the tc person and the front desk is going to answer the phone and so forth but Nobody has this kind of common vision unless it's expressed by the leader about what my practice is about. Once you do that, and it can take various forms, be clinically centric, it can be service oriented centric, it can be, you know, whatever. Um, So you can kind of mold it to your personality, but you you have to be better leaders. And um, that's what my challenge to your listeners would be is, is step up and write it down and teach it to your team and require them to deliver it. You'll be amazed at the results.
0: So let's talk DSOs, the their growth rate, what they're doing to the private practice. Uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, it, you know, it is a very hot topic. Is as hot as anything else that we're talking about in the specialty. And that is, you know, what is the consolidation all about? How fast is it moving? You know, does it take us over? Does it end sometime? You know, and I think the best way to, to maybe talk about it is to discuss, you know, where is it right now? And if you look at all of dentistry, uh, all the specialties in GP, but GPs primarily about 18% of that market, depending on who you listen to, it's consolidated into some kind of what we'll call DSO, which I would define as kind of a large group practice. The big ones, we know their names. You know, this is Heartland, this is Aspen, this is Pacific Coast Dental and, and Monarch and, and, and people like that. And then there's just hundreds and hundreds that are below that. And especially of orthodontics, we're pretty siloed into, you know, everybody knows about Smile Doctors. They've got roughly 115, you know, doctors in 175 locations, something like that, all doing just orthodontics. They're the biggest ones and, and they've done, you know, been very successful. Um, but I think what we're going to see in 2019 and in 2020 is three or four other kind of private equity backed DSO entries that are siloed in the orthodontic space maybe in different geographies than, you know, where Smile Doctors is, which is primarily the south. But, um, you know, people are afraid of that. You know, my personal belief is um, the DSOs are going to succeed. They'll probably, you know, who knows how deep it goes and how fast it goes, but I suspect in 30 years that 30 or 40 percent of the orthodontists in the country are working for a DSO, some kind of group like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that... The solo and small group practice will always, in my view, in my current vision, have a place in the United States. There's a consumer that wants that environment, wants that experience. Um, you just have to do it really well. So, you know, if you're worried about that and they're coming to your town, I think what you have to do is, you know, some of the things we've talked about on this podcast is really ask yourself what, what is my why? Why do I exist as a orthodontic practice? And then what do I need to do to improve so that I can grow? And it's probably not on the clinical side. It's probably on the business metric side. And get better at that kind of thing. And you'll do just fine. But uh, DSOs are going to be around. They're going to continue to grow. They're not paying the crazy numbers that you hear. Those are outliers. Once in a while, somebody will get an insane number. But that's not where, where the market is. Um, but um, you know, we're going to see more of them in the ortho space is, is my opinion.
0: I think those are good thoughts. I mean, we, when we talk about the DSOs, Chris, you know, the reality is is that you can't outspend them. Uh, most everybody knows that. But I still see a lot of private practices try to where they, they want to try to get their name. Their focus is, okay, I've got to get my name out there more. Okay, here comes radio. Here comes billboard. Just like I was talking about earlier Everybody out there, you can't outspend them. You can't even come close. What you can do better than them, and we know this from sending in, you know, we have mystery patients that actually show up to people's door, record the whole appointment, start to finish, you know, mystery calls that call, and we call these places, and if DSOs ran their companies the way Chris and I are talking about on this show... They would all probably put everybody out of business, but the reality and the good part for the private practice is internally, if you make a mystery call to 100, of, 100 locations at a DSO, every single phone call is answered differently, and from a customer service standpoint and a lot of other things that we teach, they are not good to say the very least. So when your attention goes, okay, I've got a DSO coming to town or I'm frightened, If your attention, I always relate the private, uh, you know, the family-owned restaurant, how you get better personal attention, the service is better, the food is better, the experience is better. Turn yourself into that boutique restaurant, I'd like to call it, and train the bejesus out of your people and hold them accountable at the highest levels and make sure you are functioning digitally, superior to everybody else in town, and you will be fine. There is no doubt about it because am yeah, very
2: bullish on the future. I would agree with that. Yeah,
0: it's difficult to get them to do, Chris. That that's the uh, you know the difficult part. I think it makes sense to most people, but getting and and I'd like to even hear your thoughts on this because we see it and why we're so big on accountability is literally without. I always talk about you know if you want to be the Ritz Carlton, Walt Disney, the reason why they are who they are is one they train their people better than the rest but they hold their people accountable. They don't put up with anything. If you don't do, you know, protocol A, B, and C as well as they expect, you're out of there and they're gonna find somebody that will. Now we don't wanna turn the practice into a dictatorship, but it is the single biggest weakness that I see around the country is doctors and even office managers a lot of times, they do not hold their employees accountable for becoming great at all the systems that they expect the employees to be good at. So therefore the employees don't become good at them because they don't have to. And is that something that you see? I mean you speak at events and see the practices? Do you run into that a lot
2: You know I do, but i would I would point out that you know when I go to Disney or I go to Ritz Carlton, what I observe is really, really happy workers, yep and when I go to a practice that's kicking it and that's outperforming every other practice in their drawing area, I see really, really happy employees yep. and so this is not a message that says, you know, this is not a fun place to work because we're holding you accountable. It's because we hold you accountable, we achieve such superior results that it's a really fun place to be, you know, involved with. And you take great pride in your work and you're and you and you're excited to be there every day. And there's not, you know, there's high morale. There's not a lot of politicking. And uh, the practices that are struggling, you see a lot of grumbling and you see a lot of, you know, sour apples and it only takes one. And so, you know, that's what you're saying, I think, is, you know, you just can't have that. And, um, you know, but, you know, this can be very exciting uh, and very fun for the staff and the the people who work in the practice as well as the business owner. And as businesses succeed, orthodonts are generous people. They usually share that in some way uh, with their team and it makes it even a more fun place to work uh, both financially and just work environment.
0: No, that's well said. I mean, I just got back from a practice, uh, orthodontic practice out in Denver a couple days ago, and they are actually excited that we're there because, you know, I gave them how we make sure everyone's held accountable to doing what we're teaching. You know, that's the way we ensure that it works, et cetera. And their team is actually excited because what they get, and, you know, all the employees in healthcare have been through at least one consultant in their career. and, And they see the consultants come and go. They're there three or six months, give their ideas, do some teachings, and then they're out. And then the team members, a lot of the employees maybe change for a little bit, but then it goes back to how it used to be. And that's a deflating, that's a surefire way to ruin a culture because you have three or four people on a team of six, as an example, that are really gun ho about doing all this. Yet you have one, two, or three other people that just won't do it. They won't change. There's no accountability. And what inevitably happens is those people that are negative about it, they rub off on all the people working hard to actually change – and then it all goes right back down to you know where whenever the consultant's gone, which is why the accountability, Chris said it, you said it so well. It's not a, hey, we're going to fire everybody and make this a horrible place to work. By holding people accountable, you create that culture of success that employees know if they work hard towards something, it's going to stick. It's not going to be a waste of their time. So you you said that beautifully. You're right on the mark.
2: Well, it's a, it can be a lot of fun. I'm very bullish on the future. Um, you know, if my kid wanted to be an orthodontist, I'd say, hell yes let's let's go do it um uh, and, I, and we we can make this thing really rock, and I think people should feel that way because it's out there it's hard um but i tell my team all the time what what we do is hard we value practices and have conflict between buyers and sellers every day, and I said, you know if it was easy, anybody could do it, we wouldn't exist and um that's certainly true in the ortho space, and so yeah, it's hard, but if you dig in and do it, it's not you know a drain and, and it can be a lot of fun so i am encouraged guys, and um I hope you guys are too and 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 Brian and his team are doing great things and so uh if you're part of his group um you're a step ahead of uh what's available out there.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on, Chris, and why don't you tell us I mean Chris has got a fabulous company i am I'm, I'm honored to be able to write articles for his Benson Copple resource and it means the world to me to be a part of that and I highly believe in everything he does, otherwise he wouldn't be on this show so I appreciate your time, Chris, and tell everybody where they can learn more about you, uh, a little bit more about what you guys do, what you can do for everybody out there.
2: Yeah, thanks. I mean, you know, we're a change of ownership company, so if you want to bring in an associate bring in a partner, sell your practice, um, anything like that, that's what we do. We value and structure transitions, and we're just siloed in the ortho space. We're specialists like you guys are. And um, we do as many transactions as, or more than anybody else in this space. And so we, we'd love to, to hear from you if, if you could use our expertise. Uh, we write this newsletter to kind of keep in touch with people because this is what we do is kind of at the beginning of your career at the end of your career. So uh, the newsletter kind of keeps us in touch for those years in between. And that's why we write about you know common threads that we're seeing in successful practices. So, been uh, beneficial to a lot of folks and you can subscribe to that so just look us up on the web com, and you'll find out about us
0: all right chris well i appreciate all the expertise and coming on we'll have you back and uh, we'll talk to you soon and all the listeners out there appreciate your loyalty and following the show and we'll have another show for you in the upcoming uh, days thanks so much for listening bye-bye